Hey, Snapadapas. Welcome to a very special Snap Special. And you're in luck because today, in a single story, we explore doing a very simple thing in the hardest way possible. See, having a family, kids and such, people basically know the mechanics. Just put on some Al Green and watch what unfolds, right? But when you live on either side of a great divide, the simplest actions become a revolutionary event. Today, we're taking you to a refugee camp in the West Bank where we talk to Samira, a Palestinian woman. This is what Samira sounds like. Now, Samira, she doesn't speak much English, so her friend Noha is translating for us. She was ready in whatever was going to come her way. And Snappus, please note that this story does deal with some adult themes. So if you have little ones around, you might want them to sit this one out. I'm going to turn the mic back over to Samira and Noha. Going into jail, I didn't tell anybody what I was doing that day. I got there. And I had a lot on my mind, a a lot of worry. Samira was on a bus on the way to visit her husband, Yehya. Yehya is serving 25 years in an Israeli prison for arming the Palestinian resistance. When she got to the prison, she entered through security. The guards patted her down. There were cameras everywhere. My husband and I spoke in short sentences. I wanted the visit to finish quickly. He was warning me a lot, but don't be nervous. He was coaching me. He said, act normal. Don't let anybody know what you have in your hand. My husband had said, the chocolate is for the kids and the biscuits are for you. I understood what he was saying the biscuits were for me. It's a small bag between the biscuits. Yahya was trying to smuggle something to his wife. It wasn't a letter, drugs, or money. It was something a lot more valuable. Inside the package, between the biscuits, wrapped in a plastic bag, was Yahya's sperm. The guards cleared the package and handed it to Samira. I picked that up, my name was written on it. Picked it up, went to a corner. I went to the corner and opened it up. I wrapped it in a small towel and immediately put it in my, in my, uh, my inside my bra. I made sure that no one noticed me. That was the focus of the day, to act normal. It was hard at the beginning, but once I had the sperm in me, it was okay. Samira needed to get to her local clinic as soon as possible. The sperm could only survive so long. We've been instructed by the hospital to put it in body temperature. I put it in my bra and then waited for my name to be called to exit the area of the prison. We finished the visit. I got out, all in panic, unable to walk, 
outside of the visit, the place where we visit. We got in the bus and there was a sense of relief all over my body. I have it. I'm in the bus. In a few hours, it will be safe in the hospital. Going out of jail, I wasn't about to tell anybody what, was in, what, what, what I was doing. As they boarded the bus together, the other passengers started wishing her luck. How did they know? Suddenly, I was worried that people on the bus would all find out, and then they'll track me back. It turns out Yahya had already spread the word inside the prison that he was smuggling sperm to Samira. This was very risky gossip, but it also ensured that everyone knew that if Samira got pregnant, the child was definitely Yahya's. And this proof of paternity was really important. It's why Samira brought her son and sister-in-law with her to the prison. They were witnesses to the exchange. Before they made the journey, a local sheikh publicly approved the procedure. So long as Samira had proof of bringing credible witnesses to watch the sperm travel from the prison to the clinic. On the one hand, I was hopeful, and on the other hand, my mind was paralyzed with fear. All I was thinking about is, God, please make this the shortest bus ride. The bus ride lasted four hours. When they finally got to the clinic, a nurse was waiting for them. She led Samira and her witnesses to a lab and took the sperm from Samira. This very delicate, sacred procedure would normally cost thousands of dollars at this clinic. But for Samira, it was almost free. The baby that Samira and Yehya were creating across the thick prison walls was not just a baby. It was an act of defiance. The baby, their baby, would be one more Palestinian, one more person to populate the land and keep their lineage alive. The most important thing was to show me what she was doing with it totally. She took it. She told me, where are your witnesses? She brought her sister-in-law who was there and her son who was there. They signed her family members and they, she immediately showed her what she did. She took it, she put it in the special place of the sperms and she told her good luck. It's a big refrigerator. I was watching everything that she was doing that day. Samira prepared for in vitro fertilization. She completed a menstrual cycle and waited for the hormones to kick in. Then she went back to the clinic for IVF. All I was thinking about, I hope it works. I hope it works. Let the pain go, it's okay. I'll put up with the pain. All I want is for this experience to succeed. Soon, Samira's body started to change. And even though the sheikh, the doctors, and Samira's family members had already verified that the baby was Yehya's, 
people in the refugee camp started to talk. They asked, Are you sure it's from your husband? Even her sister-in-law, the same one who went with her to the prison to get the sperm, stopped coming around. She was too embarrassed to be seen with Samira in public. Samira didn't want to visit Yehia during the pregnancy. If the guards saw her growing belly, they would get suspicious. But they were still allowed to talk on the phone. So when she saw the baby for the first time in an ultrasound, she called Yehia. He would talk to me while I'm with the doctor. He, I would give the phone to the doctor. I told my husband, uh, the baby is okay. I'm seeing the baby's picture right here in the ultrasound. The doctor had told me that the baby's body parts are all correct and that he is a very normal baby or she's a very normal baby. And we got very excited. We were very excited when we found out that she was a girl. The fact that Samira and Yahya were having a girl was a big deal for them. A few years before, their 11-year-old daughter, Fatima, was hit by a car right outside the family's house. She died immediately. I felt that my whole life had gone right there in front of me. Yahya was already in prison. When Fatima died, he knew that getting his sperm out of prison into Samira was the only way to rebuild his family. Three days after Fatima died, Samira went to visit Yahya in prison. He said, next time you come, be ready. I'm going to be giving you a sperm. And suddenly, smuggling sperm became both an act of defiance for Samira and Yahya, and a way for them to repair their broken family. I felt that I have to do it. I was missing my daughter too much, and he was missing our daughter so much. I felt that I wanted a compensation for the loss of my daughter. I felt I needed a boost after the sadness and the grief that I was feeling. So she got ready. Yahya was serving his 10th year of a 25-year prison sentence. He was caught fighting against Israeli soldiers during the Intifada. He had heard about sperm smuggling from his fellow inmates before Fatima's death. A lot of jailed Palestinians were smuggling sperm to their wives. In defiance of their removal from society, in defiance of their imprisonment. When Samira got pregnant from the IVF treatment, Yehia was a hero inside the prison. And on the outside, despite the gossip about the baby's paternity, Samira was also something of a hero. The day Samira gave birth, her entire family came to the hospital to celebrate. There were about 50 people there, and the nurses brought Samira to a huge VIP room with leather couches and reclining chairs. When Samira held her newborn daughter for the first time, she called Yehya. I 
He was extremely happy. He was screaming from joy. He called Palestine Radio and he spoke on the radio live and he said, I'm extremely happy my daughter is born. The day his daughter was born, Yehya celebrated in prison. He handed out sweets. His fellow inmates threw a small party and sang victory songs. She was happy because God gave her a blessing and gave compensated her, but sad because she was alone without her husband. A few weeks after the new baby was born, Samira brought her to visit Yehia in prison. The guards were shocked when they saw the child. They were suspicious of Samira and revoked all of Yehia's visitation rights for the rest of his sentence. Samira hasn't seen her husband since. Today, Samira boils water for tea and piles round sesame bread onto a plate. It's early morning. Her 17-year-old hangs out for a few minutes, drinking black coffee, and heads off to work. Her three-year-old Yasmin sits on the floor in a fleece onesie. She's trying to get her mom's attention as Samira tidies up. Yasmin is on the verge of a full-blown tantrum. So Samira gives her a tub of blue and pink ice cream from the freezer to keep her quiet. When Yahya gets out of jail, Samira will be around 50. Yasmin will be a teenager. He keeps telling me that when he comes out of jail, the first thing he'll do is go visit his daughter in, in, the, in the grave. He will go to the cemetery and then he will hug these children, inshallah. Yasmin rests her head on her mother's lap while Samira pulls her wild hair into two tight ponytails at the top of her head. Then she gets a missed call on her cell phone. It's Yahya calling from prison. Samira calls back and hands the phone to Yasmin. Yasmin says, come here, Dad. He says, where? Come, she says. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. We want to thank Samira for sharing her story. The Snap, Eliza Smith edited this story. Original score and sound design by Leon Morimoto. Thank you, Noha, so much for translating. The story is produced by Shayna Sheely, a radio wizard making magic all the way on the other side of the world in Jerusalem. Here's the good news. You have just scratched the surface of Snap Storytelling. There is more, so much more amazing cinema of sound waiting for you right now on the Snap Judgment Podcast. Get some 
on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Amazing stories. Get them. And if you dig them, leave a brother a review on iTunes if you don't mind. Thanks, player. And hit Snap Judgment on Facebook, my Twitter, G-L-Y-N-N Washington. Tweet, tweet. And even though this is not the news, no way is this the news. In fact, you could smuggle a vial of sperm from Snap Judgment Studios, give birth to a child that looks exactly like her own baby Kim, right down to his twinkly eyes. And you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNYC.